earlier. It's a psalm that we were in uh, not too long ago on Wednesday night. Uh, a psalm that kind of stood out to me as we were going through it. Uh, and I kind of made an earmark in it to go back for Thanksgiving because it ties in so beautifully to what we are celebrating and remembering uh, even this week. Let's open with a word of prayer before we turn our attention to Psalm 65. Heavenly Father, this evening we do rejoice in your providence and in your care. We recognize that you are not just the God who has created but you are the God who sustains. Even as we just confessed in song, we recognize that every day that we live is a gift from you. Every breath that we take is the grace of God. And Heavenly Father, we pray that even now, in these moments together, as we look at this psalm, that we would rejoice in the grace of God, your grace that sustains us, that keeps us, that provides for us, that saves us, we pray that you would be honored, that it is your name that would be lifted high in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanksgiving is a time when we enjoy the fruits of the harvest. We just did that a second ago, did we not? My watch is telling me that Thanksgiving is coming up. <laughs> It's literally never done that before. <laughs> um, put this away for a second. I don't want it to go off every time I say the word Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, but Thanksgiving is a time when we enjoy the fruits of the harvest. It's the end of, that, of, of this time when, when you know, many of the farmers are done going out and collecting the, the fruit of their harvest. And we gather and we enjoy and we celebrate. And as we enjoy the fruit of the harvest, we praise the God of the harvest. You see, we as believers have a unique perspective. We know that it is the providence of our God that provides and we rejoice in a God who cares and in who provides. As we turn our attention to Psalm 65, Psalm 65 is a psalm of praise. It's a harvest psalm celebrating God's provision, both spiritually and physically. And we're not going to dive too deeply into it, because like I said, we went through this not that long ago. But I just want to review, because I think it is a powerful song that draws our minds not just to the God who provides the food that we need for a year, but the God who provides a salvation in Jesus Christ. This psalm is really can be broken into two parts. Verses 1 to 5 is God's spiritual provision. And then verses 6 to 13 is God's physical provision. The first half of this psalm, these first five verses, you see God's spiritual provision. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. And to you the vow shall be performed. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. The picture here is God's people have gathered, the harvest is in, and they are ready to praise their God. They are ready to dig in, to enjoy the fruits of that harvest, and to praise the God of that harvest. Praise is awaiting you in Zion in Jerusalem, in your city where you dwell, 
where your people are, we are ready. We are bursting, ready to praise our God. And to you, the vow shall be performed. The idea of a vow here is worship owed. You can almost think, maybe it's the, the, the idea that, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, as they're putting out the, the seed, God, if you will bless this harvest, I will praise you. And God has blessed. And as his people benefit from the, the, the uh, fruits of this harvest, they are ready to praise their God. He is deserving of this worship. It is rightfully yours. So God's people are, are waiting. They are ready to praise God. But they note here who God is. Oh, you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. You who hear prayer. David often goes back to that thought, that idea in the Psalms. You are the God who hears prayer. May we never overlook the fact that our God is a God who hears prayer. That is a big deal. Your God hears, he sees, he knows. He hears your prayer. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions here at the beginning of verse 3, there's a, there's a confession. We know, God. We know that we are an unrighteous people. We know that our, our sins are so many. They prevail against me. You know that feeling, do you not? My sins prevail against me. You try to fight temptation, yet time and time again you fail and you fall short of the glory of God. What hope is there? I fall so hopelessly short. The hope is in this. As for our transgressions, these iniquities that prevail against us, you will provide atonement for them. You will provide. You are the God who provides spiritual life and hope. Sin prevails against me, but God, you will prevail over sin. David, as he writes this, he looks to the altar, to that picture of atonement. And yet here we are, thousands of years later, and we look to the cross. This covering, this cleansing in Jesus Christ that is ours. Our God has provided for our sin all that we need and Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. Blessed is the man that you choose and cause to approach you. There is no approach to God outside of the grace of God. It is God who provides salvation. It is God who calls to salvation. This is the effectual call to the elect by God. Blessed is the man that you choose. I know my heart. I know that I am unworthy. And yet God chose me and God saved me. And my sins are great, but the grace of God is greater still. 
you chose, you caused to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. There is no approach to God outside of the grace of God. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. By awesome deeds in righteousness, you will answer us, O God of our salvation. You who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of the far off seas. By awesome deeds and righteousness, you will save us, O God of our salvation. The God of our salvation. David's confidence here in verse 5 is rooted in really the reality of verses 1 to 4. David is confident in the God of his salvation because this is the God who has chosen him. This is the God who, though his sins are great, who provides atonement for those sins, whose grace is greater still. God meets my needs spiritually. Iniquities prevail against me, but you will provide atonement for them. See, as we come to Thanksgiving, so often... As we focus, go around the table, focusing on the things that we are thankful for, I think so often we, we tend to focus on material things that God has given us. And there's, there's something to that, right? That's, the, that's kind of what Thanksgiving is. You're celebrating the harvest that has come in. God has provided food for another year. And yet, even in that, we cannot overlook the spiritual provision. provision. We cannot overlook the Son of God who died for us. That's where our hope really lies. That's what really matters. Not that God met my need for food for another year, but that God met the demand of my sins. That he cleansed me from all unrighteousness. He doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 6 to 13 to focus on that physical provision of God who established the mountains by strength, being clothed with power, who still steal, still the noise of the seas. He is creator. He is powerful. These mighty mountains, these roaring seas, God tames them. As he is greater than my sin, he is greater than all of creation because he is the creator. You who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. As God stills the waters and the oceans, so he stills the nations. He is Lord of creation. He is Lord of the nations. He's a God who's in control. They also who dwell in the farthest parts are afraid of your signs, for you make the outgoings of the morning and the evening rejoice from the rising sun in the east to the setting sun in the west. God's control extends from the ends of the earth to the other. He is control. He is in control of everything. From the rising sun to the setting sun. You visit the earth and water it. He's active care. This is not a God who created and then stepped back and let things kind of take their course. He's a God who visits the earth and waters, a God who is actively involved. The harvest that we celebrate is the work of a good God who has provided for us. 
You greatly enrich it. The rivers of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. You settle its furs. You make it soft with, with showers. You bless its growth. God is a God who provides. You crown the year with your goodness and your past trip with abundance. You crown the year with your goodness. The picture here is you come to the end of the year and God has provided. Every passing year and every harvest testifies to God's provident care. As the heavens declare the glory of God, so life declares the goodness of God. As the seasons pass, they proclaim, your God is good. Your God has provided again. He has not forgotten. He hears your prayer. He knows your needs. Every year from beginning to end proclaims the goodness of God. It crown, he crowns the year with your goodness. Your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness. I think the uh, CSB does a good job of this. It says your carts overflow with plenty. The wilderness pastures overflow and the hills are robed with joy. The idea here in verse 11 uh, and 12 is that God cares for all of creation. It is not just where man dwells that God cares, but God cares even for that section of the Amazon where no man has ever been. Even still, God cares and provides. Pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. And we as God's people should join them and sing too. For our God is good. For he provides. He provides food. He provides a roof over our head. He sees, he hears, he knows. And most importantly, he's provided Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who bore our sins on the cross. You see, this evening as we gather, as we eat together, as we fellowship, as we rejoice, even this week as we move into the Thanksgiving season, we have so much to be thankful for. So much. Not just physically, but spiritually. Look at all that God has given us in Jesus Christ. So sing. So praise him. So testify and tell of how great your God is. May that be a reality that just bursts forth out of who we are. Let me tell you how great my God is. He's a God who sees and knows and cares and provides. In fact, not only has he met my needs this year, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. He's met your need. Won't you believe? I'd encourage you this week as we move toward Thanksgiving on Thursday, meditate on these truths. Maybe come back to Psalm 65 or another passage of Scripture that you love and just sit there and marinate in it this week. Meditate on your God who provides both physically and spiritually.
He sees, he knows, and he cares. We're going to close this evening by singing that song that we just sang, My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness. I think it's a good song for us to get to know. Uh, and so I think it's a good song for us to sing again this evening. My heart is filled with thankfulness. Maybe having sung it once as we sing it again after looking at Psalm 65, maybe you can focus in on the reality of what it is that you are saying here. My heart is filled with thankfulness. Let's rise and let's praise our great God together.